Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of So That Happened is brought to you by harrys.com, who ask, when did shaving get so expensive? People who look at me know that I have this big beard for a reason. I am a Mennonite. But it's also because... I just don't like going to the stores to buy razors. If you go to the CVS these days, you walk up into the place, they're behind some plastic nonsense, and sometimes you pull a lever and a razor drops out, sometimes it doesn't. Usually you have to go get someone's help to get a razor. Well, Harry's answers that question for you by using the internet to deliver a superior shave for an incredible price. If you go to harrys.com, Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in this code, HAPPENED. That's H-A-P-P-E-N-E-D happened. Go to H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter the coupon code happened for $5 off the starter set and start shaving smarter today and also spelling smarter. This podcast contains explicit language. I'm hearing something happen. Coming over the rise. We're going to keep your Obamacare, see? It's all about Obamacare. The news has been so exciting, we've all lapsed into our mid-Atlantic 1940s dialects. Oh, you wise guy. It's a nice subsidy you got there. Captain America battling ISIS overseas. <laughs> the Supreme Court upheld Obamacare and everything's Jake. <laughs> <laughs> everything's the bee's knees now with insurance. So that happened. This week, we take up the issue of police militarization with the man who's trying to curb it. Georgia Representative Hank Johnson joins us to discuss his bill to reform law enforcement practices and culture. Meanwhile, the tragic deaths of nine parishioners at the Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, has once again forced the nation to attempt a reckoning with its past. This time out, Confederate battle flags are coming down at state houses across the South. But is this something we should get excited about? Is white supremacy a structural force or is it a mental condition? We'll take up the discussion. Finally, a small town in Florida actually banished one of its residents. His crime? Helping the poor. But who got the last laugh? Pro- probably us. I mean, this is our podcast. We do what we want. We want to get the last laugh. That we get the last laugh. I'm Jason Lincolns with Huffington Post reporters Zach Carter, Julia Craven, and Arthur Delaney. We also have news on Obamacare and the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal for you. So here's what happened first. Guys, 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 guys. Holy knackers. We have had so much stuff happen this week. Stuff got done. Like real stuff got done. Crazy shit. It was like a great week for things getting done. So what happened? Sort of. Well, I mean, sort of, yeah. I mean, things have concluded. It doesn't mean the outcomes are good. But, But today... The black smoke of papal wisdom blew over the Supreme Court, and that crazy lawsuit against Obamacare, boom, bye-bye. Wow. Yeah, it's gone. King v. Burwell. Uh, Roberts wrote the decision. Uh, It was a 6-3 decision that said, guys, Congress clearly meant to give health care to people, not 
would give them a stupid system that would destroy itself. That's what he said. Right, exactly. The plaintiffs in this case made like uh, came to this case because literally because of a single uh, grammatical malaprop. Really, they, they the really law. did say the card says moops. Yes, yes. For those of you who don't know, Seinfeld is a show. It's now on Hulu. I don't think you deserve to have this explained. Yeah, you know, you're right. Just look it up. The card says moops. Go. To, uh, I think it was uh, Simon Malloy or Jonathan Chait wrote about it. But they, but the plaintiffs literally said, "Oh, the card says moops." Um. <laughs> and you know what Antonin Scalia said about this decision? No, what did he In, say? He wrote a, a hilarious dissent, and he called the decision pure applesauce. <laughs> Breaking news, Supreme Court justice is super square. That is, that is a, I think he invented that as a term of derision. What because did, you Google pure applesauce what did, and it's like the natural lots. mom. What did Scalia want? Does he, does he not realize that if they had upheld this decision, it would have brought every like legal troll in the world out with their, with their magnifying glasses looking for tiny little grammatical mistakes and laws to get them overturned? Scalia wanted to win and he lost. Politics, man. Politics. But he didn't win. That yeah. wasn't the only thing that went down this week. No, no. Now we get to the part where where like something that is we've been obsessed with for many weeks, I guess, is now over. And that is There's there's a shred of a chance, but the uh the the fast track trade bill. Yeah. Which basically gives makes it very much 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 easier and and very likely that Obama will be able to pass his Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal uh, if he can complete a, a trade deal with the, the European Union. There's another trade and services agreement. A whole bunch of different trade policies that now become m- far more likely uh, because this uh, this this fast track bill cleared Congress. So that happened. So that happened. What are the implications now for the stop PPP? <laughs> And, well, this, and this was on TPP this was, uh, about to die like several times. Yeah, what happened? They kept bringing it back. Yeah, it, it looked uh, maybe just just maybe a week and a half ago. It looked like it was it was actually on life support. I mean, it was it seemed very unlikely they could make something happen. But essentially, Senate Democrats, uh, if Senate Democrats had wanted to kill it, they could have. Um, and instead, they decided to let it go through without getting anything in return. Um, there was there was a whole lot of gamesmanship from Harry Reid earlier in the process where Harry Reid had it filibustered. And I think Reid really did want to just straight up kill it. Um, but if he didn't kill it, he wanted to make sure Democrats got something really great in return. And so Patty Murray cut a deal where they, she was going to get a vote on the Export-Import Bank. Mitch McConnell gave her a show vote that didn't count. And then Patty Murray said, uh, well, I guess I'll vote for this thing again anyway without anything. Maria Cantwell is also part of that negotiating squad. So Democrats just got nothing. Well, well, well. Uh, Republicans are saying that you know they still want to let them have the trade adjustment assistance that helps. Yeah, TAA. But uh-huh. as part of the of, of this debate, when when the House basically voted against TAA a couple of weeks ago, they kind of acknowledged TAA is not very good. It doesn't really help many people. It's not a very efficient program. Well, I I think that was the sense everyone had that I actually went to the Hill and tried to get Democrats to poop on TAA. Like, do you really like this? Do Democrats really like this? And I was unable to get anyone to say no because they've been co- they've been using that as their cover to vote for these. Yeah, yeah. That they don't I mean, like for twenty years. <laughs> That's their boxer briefs. Yeah. You leave them dangling in the wind if they poop on it. It's a it's a <laughs> program that only has reached two million people in. 30, 40 years. Yeah. So it's a very small program. And what what, what do you get? Like, you lose your $70,000 a year manufacturing job, and they give you, like, a semester of community college? Like, thanks a lot. You can get more than one semester. <laughs> sure. 
What about our friends? <laughs> so that happens. <laughs> but it's, it's it's so you you get your community college and then what? I mean, it's you know it happened. That's what it. about our friends in Malaysia? Right, the whole slavery thing. Uh, you know the whole slavery thing. Well, so this is this is where progressives might actually win something, um, because Malaysia is a tier three company a country on human trafficking, meaning they are the worst of the worst on slavery. Companies with you know, company with Iran, North Korea, just really, really bad. Um, they technically cannot be allowed into the deal based on an amendment that Senator Robert Menendez included. Uh, Malaysia is like the whole foreign policy game here for for the Obama administration. Right. They want to have Malaysia in because they they in Singapore control the Strait Straits of Malacca, right? Yeah. Through which China gets most of their oil, right? Um, so the the whole foreign policy you can you can critique the foreign policy aspect of this trade deal because the 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 idea that we're going to control China by threatening to choke off their oil is a very aggressive maneuver. Um, that might not be a good idea. It might be. I'm not saying one way or the way, but it's it's controversial. Um, but that's the point of the deal. So if you force Malaysia out, that's not going to work. So they have to go through this other bill, this customs bill, which has a whole bunch of stuff in it that Democrats got because it was supposed to die. But but in the customs bill, there is a, a slavery fix, essentially, which will allow Malaysia to stay in the agreement. Uh, so so the question is, which, which of these Democratic things might actually stay? Uh, and, and the one that might stay is, is from Sherrod Brown. Um, Sherrod Brown, because it, it cleared. It's, uh, it's pronounced Sherrod. All right. It it, it uh, it's Sherrod, and it it passed both the House and the Senate. So and he talks like this. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's Batman. It's me, Sherrod. He's Batman, yeah. And when he gets really angry, anyway. Uh, so that that provision would ban the import of any good made with slave labor, uh, forced labor, or child labor into the United States. It's already illegal to do that, but there are loopholes in the law. This would plug that. So that that would be something. That would happen. That would be a human rights win, and I, I just can't really see the Republican leadership being like, "No, no, no, we imagine, want to stand up for forced labor and child labor." Imagine what sort of howling, amoral bastard you have to be to like craft a loophole in a law that bans products that are created by slave labor or child labor. Well, the, the loophole says, you know, if if you can't find something that is that was made, you know, if, if there's no other version of the product available except <laughs> one made with with slave labor and child labor, then you can import it. <laughs> so, so if it's just, you know, a really shitty Sounds like a or we could, big loophole. We could yeah. build a factory and make it ourselves. We could build a factory That's and a make misery. misery. <laughs> <laughs> it's a roller coaster sized loophole. Uh, Frustrated incorporated. So I mean, Sherrod Brown could be one of the one of the winners for progressives, but basically this is you know Barack Obama got absolutely everything he wanted without giving up any policy concessions. Same thing for Mitch McConnell, and he got to watch Democrats tear themselves apart over it. Um, you know, sick poor people in these other in overseas are going to have to deal with much higher drug prices because of this. So that's great. I mean, we're talking five digit a year cancer because drug prices. because it strengthens drug makers. Intellectual property rights. Right. It gives them a series of, of different uh, maneuvers to give them long-term monopolies on prescription so, drugs. So you could make a drug you know, that's a pill for $7, but they can keep charging $7,000 because they exclusively have the formula or whatever. Right. Nobody else is allowed to produce a generic version. It's a bummer. So that's that's tough. Uh, you know, the, all, all the things that Elizabeth Warren had warned about are, are – probably going to happen the, the one the one hope for like trade critics is that the house the house vote for fast track was pretty narrow so if this, presidential this politics could still go down it could it's i think it's unlikely but it could 
uh, it, you saw Ted Cruz very late in the game. He reversed his position and said, I'm against this and, and, and tr- basically trotted out all of the liberal arguments, but then also said, and this will do some stuff with. And uh, everyone laughed at him. Everyone laughed at Ted Cruz for that. It was pretty hilarious. Uh, I don't know if I was laughing at him or I with him. I was laughing but, among but, Ted Cruz, yeah. not at Ted Cruz. People were like, there not you go Not with Ted again. Cruz. Yeah, there you go again, trying to <laughs> I was vacuum laughing. up attention. I was and laughing near Ted Cruz. He did not succeed remotely. But but here's the thing. They wanted to get this stuff done by May. They wanted to have all this out of the way by May because they didn't want the 2016 race to start messing with things. Right, but uh, now. And so if... if it this, ain't May no more. And look, there's a lot of conservative media that doesn't like this. Um, so you, if you read Breitbart... They don't. They really don't like this. Their coverage is very negative. Um, even even the Drudge Report has has done stuff, that, you know, calling it Obama trade. So if if that becomes a thing that that candidates in twenty in the twenty, you know, it's a very wide Republican field. If they have to start talking about how they, you know, to, to appeal to the base, you know, they don't want to give Obama more trade power, then then you could see, uh, you know, more ho- House Republicans start worrying about uh, about primaries and things like that. Oh, that, but it hinges on people reading Breitbart. <laughs> Right. So let's not worry about it. I mean, it's. I think it's unlike. And also, you know, there's a reason why they got they cleared with 218 votes, right? Yeah. They 218 is the number you need to pass something in the House. If something passes with 218, it means that they could have flipped more people yeah, if they needed to. Right. It's a phony number. Don't worry about it. For instance, who was it? Ben Cardin in the Senate who immediately cast his vote after they hit 60, so yeah. it didn't matter. Yeah, it's votes. So, so there vote numbers. Don't worry. Don't be distracted by the closeness of the total. Yeah. Well, those are some things that happened this week. We're now going to shift and talk to uh, Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia about something that hasn't happened yet. This episode of So That Happened is brought to you by Harry's.com, purveyor of fine razors. These razors have quality German blades for half the price of big name drugstore brands. Imagine that. German blades, like Mesut Ozil, running all up in your face, cutting hair hither and yon, slicing tasty passes to Aaron Ramsey on your face. And the best thing about it is that it's much less than the price you get at the drugstore. You'll have tons of money left over to do the things you like. Like me, I like to drink whiskey and then shave while I'm on whiskey. The two don't always go together, but Harry's, the price is right. Harry's starter kit is just $15. That includes the razor, three blades, and your choice of Harry's shave cream or foaming shave gel. And as an added bonus, you can get $5 off your purchase with this code, HAPPENED. That's HAPPENED, H-A-P-P-E-N-E-D. After using our code, you can get an entire month's worth of shaving for just $10. Harry's.com was started by these two guys who are just passionate about creating a better shaving experience for all men. So go to Harry's.com. And get that $5 off by typing in the promo code HAPPEN. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. And enter the coupon code HAPPEN at the checkout for $5 off your starter set and start shaving smarter like a German today. Joining us now, Congressman Hank Johnson, representative of Georgia. Thanks for being with us today. It's good to be here. Thank you all for having me. Uh, we wanted to start by uh, asking, after the uh, events in Ferguson this past year, you introduced a bill uh, that was tailored toward scaling down the militarization of police. I wanted to ask, what does what your bill hope to achieve, and, and, and uh, what's the state of play there? Well, what, what we seek to do is to shut down the pipeline between uh, the battlegrounds of Iraq and Afghanistan uh, and state, local, and federal law enforcement agencies, that pipeline supplies surplus military-grade weaponry and other 
military equipment directly uh, from the battlefields to the law enforcement agencies, uh, largely without civilian oversight. And uh, it's a problem. Uh, The uh, 1033 program uh, allows for that transfer, but also requires that any law enforcement agency receiving the equipment put it into use within a year from the time that they acquired it. And so uh, with there being no training, with there being no standards as far as when, where, how, why, and where to use the equipment, uh, the equipment then is misused, and it's to the detriment of the people that law enforcement is sworn to protect and serve. Now, that 1033 program, Congressman, um, do, do the police departments have to pay for, for the equipment that they're getting through that? Or how, how does it work? Apparently? No, they, they, they do not have to pay for it. They just simply go to a website um, and uh, find out what surplus property is available. If they see something that they like, they can just put in an order for it. It has to go through a certain process. Uh, but it's not a cumbersome process at all. It's a pretty perfunctory uh, process, as a mm. matter of fact. Once they submit the application, it's approved, and then they are able to take possession of whatever equipment that they uh, have uh, asked to uh, acquire. So your bill is basically no more free tanks and hand grenades and stuff like that for cops, right? Well, no more surplus military-grade weaponry directly from the battlefield to the streets. I, I kind of don't understand why it is that, uh, you know, your average small-town police force needs to have a SWAT team, needs to have a tank, needs to have military-grade uh, armaments. What kind of response do you get from police departments that when they say when police departments come to you and say, well, we need this stuff, what are their reasons? What's their rationale? Well, it's, I think, a feeling of insecurity on their part. They want to be prepared to meet whatever contingencies may arise. And uh, they feel like if they don't have the equipment, then they won't be able to meet uh, whatever uh, situation might arise. Uh, and and that's a legitimate fear. However, uh, you know, if a police agency actually needs that kind of equipment, it should be able to demonstrate that need to whatever civilian governmental authority it's operating under. Uh, So in other words, you go to your city council, you go to your county commission, and you tell your elected officials that we need this in order to protect our citizenry. And then those elected officials can uh, decide whether or not to spend taxpayer dollars uh, on that equipment or or whether or not they will uh, apply for federal grants uh, to, to help them obtain that equipment. So that would, that's an interesting part of this, this though, because, I mean, you, when you dropped this bill last year, uh, I, I remember thinking, well, the 1033 program is a big deal, and this free stuff is – something needs to, to happen. We need to have more, more you know, local government oversight over this stuff. Um, but there are all these other ways for cops to still obtain this really crazy gear. This is just a step, you know, a, a step here. You know, there's so much more. And I thought, especially after Ferguson, people are really going to be like clamoring for for more uh, for, for 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 some kind of action from the federal government on this. But I was totally wrong. I mean, what what has happened to your bill since you uh, you introduced it? 
Well, we've got, uh, I think, about 54 co-sponsors, and uh, the bill uh, languishes without a committee hearing, uh, without any kind of uh, markup uh, of the legislation, and so uh, it has no—it's nowhere near making it to the floor of the House for a vote uh, by the full House, and so that's the battle that we're in now is to gin up more support for the bill, uh, both from Congress people and, more importantly, from the people that they represent. Uh, the people who uh, they represent uh, need to uh, uh, create a uh, clamor for uh, uh, this bill to see the light of day, and when they do, uh, then it will happen. I, it, it's it's very strange to me because you know I I, I I see this bill as being related to Ferguson, um, and we've seen so many other sorts of of tragedies uh, that that have hit the country in the in the year since. I mean, we've had mass shootings, and then Congress responds with, well, basically nothing. Uh, and then here we your 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 bill is a serious response to to Ferguson, but for almost a year now, it's been it's been well nothing from from leadership. Who's who's holding it up? And 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 what's what does it take to get Congress to to actually respond to these types of? I mean, these are obvious crises. Well, I think uh, Republican leadership in the House of Representatives is what's holding up the bill. It's not a priority for them. Uh, they do not want to alienate uh, the law enforcement lobby, and there is a law enforcement lobby. Sure. Uh, they they don't want to uh, go against that. And so even though many of them realize that it is a danger to allow law enforcement agencies to procure this kind of weaponry outside of the normal uh, procurement process, they recognize that, uh, that there's something uh, inherently wrong with that, but yet uh, they don't want to fight that battle with uh, the police lobby and... Um, and that's where we're at. Um, I want to change directions just slightly. Um, a gentleman named Michael A. Wood Jr., who is a retired uh, officer of the Baltimore Police Department and a Marine Corps vet, uh, went on Twitter today, uh, and he said, I'm going to start tweeting the things I've seen and participated in in policing that is corrupt, intentional or not. And some of the things he describes, I'll just give you some some things. Uh, a detective slapping a completely innocent female in the face for bumping into him, coming out of a corner store, uh, punting a handcuffed face down suspect in the face after a foot chase, um, defecating inside suspects' homes during raids on their beds and clothes. Uh, jacking up and illegally searching thousands of people with no legal justification, having people write probable cause statements who were never there because they could twist in legality. There's, there's the militarization of police. That seems obvious. But can't we say that there's a cultural problem on police forces where this kind of thing is allowed to flourish and happen uh, outside of anyone's oversight? Yeah, I believe that uh, it's a culture that enables or that uh, says it's okay for uh, law enforcement officers to shoot, to kill uh, blacks, be they male or female, uh, Hispanics, uh, to use excessive force, 
Yes, I do think uh, it re- it's a cultural uh, issue within certain departments. Certain departments have a history, a documented history of using excessive force, and that's evidenced by the U- United States Department of Justice having uh, investigated and found uh, that to be the case with, I think, around 20 uh, law enforcement agencies across the nation. And that is just um, a small number because, the, uh, quite frankly, the, the, rev- the revenue stream of the Department of Justice has been cut, uh, along with other uh, federal agencies' budgets uh, under this uh, budget-cutting frenzy that uh, Congress has embarked upon for the last uh, uh, few years, at least. And so without the resources to uh, be able to investigate and over and conduct oversight of uh, police departments, uh, we've seen uh, uh, a proliferation of, uh, of misconduct. And that's not to say that all law enforcement uh, officers and agencies are are bad. I suppose uh, we always have to say that, right? Yeah, most yeah, most of them, of course. Uh, are uh, law-abiding and uh, professional and trying to do a good job, but it's those who are not that way, who are the opposite, who give the whole profession uh, a bad name and give entire departments a black eye. You know, By the way, you do have that anti-snitching uh, culture also within law enforcement agencies. Right. You don't step across that uh, thin blue line. Yep, yep. Uh, you don't want to be in a situation where your fellow officers won't won't come to your aid when you call for them, and so therefore you don't tell on anybody when you see something bad happening, and that's a problem. You know, I, it's been interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot since since the Charleston uh, massacre, um, because when I was growing up, I was taught but. When you grow up in a white neighborhood, you have to be taught about racism because you don't experience the, the bad parts of it every day. But I was taught that you know racism is is different today than it was in the 1950s and 60s during the, the the sort of core days of the civil rights movement. That that you know now it's mostly about unconscious biases and and it's it's about institutional problems, not not uh, you know outright hatred and violence. But but when you see these these shootings of unarmed black men by police, uh, when you see when you see you know the 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 Charleston shooting, it's really hard for me to ask, you know, to, to look at that and, and wonder what has actually changed. I mean, do, do you feel like, uh, do, do you feel like we have made significant progress since, since the 1960s on, on race in the United States? Yeah, I think we've made significant progress, but I think recent, recent events show us just how far we have uh, to go to make uh, even more progress. In other words, we, we're, we're not half the way there yet. We've still got a significant uh, uh, landscape to traverse before we can get to the point where we can proclaim ourselves to be a colorblind society. And those, including those who sit on the Supreme Court who believe that, uh, that uh, we're in a colorblind situation at this point, uh, are uh, wearing blinders. Yeah. I would say they spoke too soon when they said that. Well, Congressman, thank you for joining us today. We hope you'll come back on uh, maybe sometime down the line. Well, I'd love to, and uh, thank you all for what you do to keep uh, the people educated about uh, what's important. 
Oh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Hey there, listener of this podcast. I've got a quick little thing I'd love to chat with you about. Are you a regular So That Happened listener? Well, let us know. Send me an electronic communication with your electronic communicating devices at so that happened at HuffingtonPost.com. Tell us what you think of the show, what we're messing up, and who you'd like to hear more from or more about. Okay, back to the program. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. We're back. We're joined now by our pal, Zach Carter. Say hello to the people. Hi, everybody. And making her debut performance. Entree. On So That Happened. Please welcome Julia Craven. Hi. That's Julia. You don't have to be like NPR voice up in here. It's fine. <laughs> we cuss a lot on this show. So oh, it's fine. yes. I was very Yeah, it starts with it starts with a warning, like, <laughs> lock up your children. <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to cuss a whole fucking lot. There you go. See, now you're embracing the spirit. So, um... So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about something we didn't talk about last week because it just happened, and that is the uh, shootings that took place in Charleston at the Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, and its aftermath. We're seeing, like, at least something happening, mainly they finally decided to start taking the Confederate flag down from the state houses. Yeah. Uh, And, like, that's going to solve everything, right? Of course. Like, that's obviously going to fix the problem. Cool. Sigmund yeah. over. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Civil War ended slavery, so taking down the flag will end racism. I mean, right? it'll be fine. Exactly. It's totally right. cool. It's totally what's going to happen. Julia, you wrote a piece talking about um, how racism is not a mental illness. So explain, I think a lot of people want to believe that, like, what makes a person racist is that, like, something snaps inside their brain. You know, like, there's maybe the pill that can cure it, or, like, talk therapy, we can cure it, or being electrocuted on a bed of roses can cure it. I mean, you you probably could oh, cure racism with electrocution, what? but there would be some side effects, like, dying. Death. I, th- I, I, I think we sort of, like, for, for a second or two, like, gravitated toward the idea that this guy, Dylan Roof, was crazy, because he sure looked crazy, but racism, it's not, like, a mental condition. No, like, that... I mean, it's like that happens all the time when, like, a racist white person goes on a shooting spree or just, like, they go on a shooting spree, period. It's just like, 
oh, you know, like, clearly they're mentally ill, and, like, we don't know what caused them to do this. And it's just, like, it's very evident what caused them to do it. <laughs> like, he doesn't <laughs> like black people. <laughs> right. In this case, he wrote it all down. Right. Like, a genius. <laughs> he decided to, like, completely, like, spell out his manifesto. Very articulate young man. Yeah, sure, sure. If if uh, hateful and sadistic. Well, one of the things yeah. that was actually kind of frightening about that manifesto, if you read it, is that he, he says a lot of stuff where he's, like, clearly done some, some research. And what he's saying is evidence that racism is still really bad. Really, really bad. Like, white people don't want their kids to go to schools in black neighborhoods because the schools aren't as good. That's not because people of color ruin schools, it's because racist policies mean that people of color don't have as much money, and so their school systems are underfunded by local taxes. Right. So all the stuff in that manifesto is, like, evidence that, like, okay, we really need to fix this racism stuff. And then, but you can see that that's not, you know, if someone wants to be, wants to hate, they're going to hate. So if white supremacy is not a mental illness, if it's not that we all just, like... (laughs) It's not just, there's like a massive amount of people walking around with their heads cracked open. Then what is white supremacy if it's not like some kind of sickness? Well, I mean, like, I think you could call it a sickness, but not in like the typical. The oh, DSM-4 like, manual. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not a mental sickness in that sense. But, I mean, it is a societal sickness, I guess, if that's like a clearer way to say it. Um Because, I mean, like, it was something that was created, it was manufactured, it's a direct result of European world domination, like, way, way back when, 1492, around that time. And it's, like, to just say that he was mentally ill and that, like, he was crazy and, like, that's why this happens, like, that doesn't excuse racist policies, like you said, Zach. That doesn't excuse anything systemic, because I'm just, like, mental illness isn't systemic, so... Right. I, I mean, you, you would have to say that, like, every crime that somebody commits is evidence of a sickness, right? Yeah, that's right. right. People commit violent crimes all the time, and I think one way to respond to that, well, that person's, that person's sick. And you, you, there's a sense in which people do say that, but we don't, we don't say, all right, well, they will – you know, we don't just say, well, you know, there, there's nothing to be done about crime because there are just sick people out there. There are all – you know, conservatives and liberals alike say, well, there's something we can do to fix crime. They have different proposals for it, but they don't just say, well, too many sick people. What are you going to do? Which is kind of which is try to straighten down Obamacare, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like that's the that's the that's the implication of the sickness thing to me. It's like when people say, "Oh, he's just sick," it's 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 an excuse to say, "Well, politicians, lawmakers, governors don't have to do anything because right. he's just he's just a bad dude." What are you going to do? Bad dudes exist. Uh, I was reading Killer Mike, and just so you know, something that happened is a stealth run the jewels fan podcast. <laughs> We don't we don't talk about it overtly except for right now, but that's that's it. the whole point of this podcast. That's a great band name. <laughs> no, he he really he good. said he says you know white supremacy. It's like a caste system that hides behind race, um, and I I think I think that the argument can be made that all white supremacy really is is a system of economics that proceeds from the point of view that uh, black people primarily are chattel commodities. They can be commodified. Uh, and that when you see um, <clears throat> a black person in society succeeding by any measure, either they're succeeding in wealth, they're succeeding in, in, in like social status, uh, if they even just seem to be out there in the agora asking to be listened to, uh, I feel like white people are conditioned to think, oh, no, 
we live in this zero sum world. If someone has something, that means I don't have that thing. Now I must fight to get it back. It seems to me that it's like it's it's this it's this kind of like economic standpoint, uh, this economic system where everyone's kind of like out there in the wilderness fighting each other. I taught when uh, when um, uh, uh, the the guy um, Michael Bolin, our HuffPost Canada reporter, asked me to sort of explain Ferguson to him. I said. Oh, it's tough, man. I said, this is going to take an hour. Where do you start? <laughs> yeah, it's going to take an hour. But one of the things I talked about was how, like, America has real problems, like, divining uh, positive sum outcomes. They don't understand how, like, Americans have trouble with this concept that rising tides lift all boats. We see ourselves as sort of uh, people in this interconnected competition so that if someone's getting ahead, I must be losing. Uh, if someone's getting, we see that with, with Obamacare, right? If, if like all these poor people are suddenly uh, getting health insurance, then I must have lost something. And yes, Obamacare literally did redistribute wealth from rich people to poor people. But at the same time, what the rich people get in return are poor people who are no longer poor. They can buy products. They can be productive at work. They're not dropping right. dead at alarming rates. But <clears throat> They, they we, get cheaper labor, essentially, we have, we have, as a result of it. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> we, have, true. we have such a hard time sort of, like, accepting the fact that, like, we can give up something and it can rebound to our benefit. I think that's why white supremacy in particular, like, just keeps this foothold in this country. I mean, I, I think to some extent it, there's it, – it's it's not it, – it's just funny to me that, that if you look at – Sorry, I'm not being very articulate here, but the it's it's always astounding to me who who people blame, well-to-do people, or even people who aren't well-to-do blame when they when they start saying, well, you know, why don't I have enough stuff? Instead of pointing to like the people who have all the stuff, like the overwhelming majority of billionaires are white. I don't know if we have any any black billionaires in the United States. I guess I guess Dr. Dre maybe is 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 has joined the club, but there are very few. Ooh, Jay Z and Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Oprah. Right. Oprah, okay, yeah. yeah. But there are, very, there are very few black billionaires, right? So instead of pointing to, like, the enormous number of wildly wealthy white people who actually have all the stuff, we start talking about, like, subsidies and welfare programs that benefit the lower off and say, well, why did those people who have nothing take all of the stuff? But they don't have any stuff. The stuff's all with the rich people. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, so. Now there was a there was a thing on Gawker this week about this dude who like ended up with A Rod's baseball and how everyone was like give him his baseball and they were like no why would you give a millionaire of a thing of great value for free that's ridiculous the whole point of cash dollar bills is that you acquire that baseball that you want using your money but to get back to the topic at hand um, so we. We ha- we have seen this movement now on like taking the Confederate flag down from state houses, and and actually it's gotten kind of far afield. They're now taking it out of stores and things like that. Alabama which, and Mississippi, which is crazy. I just right? want that to sit with people. <laughs> I was in grad school when Mississippi finally said, "Okay, we'll ratify that that constitutional amendment that uh, <laughs> banned slavery." <laughs> Yeah, like they like, just did that. That was in the nineties, man. Right. <laughs> like, like, like Mississippi waited until like Nirvana had like a hit album to be like, okay, we'll 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 ratify that amendment. <laughs> it's crazy, but like this all happened in a few days. Why mm-hmm. do you think this this? Do you, I I don't know. Here's here's my thing about it. I don't know whether to feel like 
good about this or kind of bad and cynical about it. Because part of me says it's a good thing that these banners are coming down from state capitals. But another part of me says, oh, once they're down, all these people are going to be like, oh, we solved the problem. What are you complaining about? We took the fucking thing down. It's well, over. Well, yeah, I think it's, I think both are definitely fair. Um, which isn't so. which isn't to say that like my my feelings of cynicism as I lay in bed at night thinking about this right. are reason to keep the flags up. Right, we don't no. want Jason to feel bad. <laughs> it's your fault these flags are still up. Probably is. Wait, so can I ask you this, Julia? I mean, are I? I mean, I I saw the the Nikki Haley press conference in South Carolina. Does this mean that the flags are actually going down, or are there steps that have to be taken in all these states to actually ratify the expressions of, yes, we would really like to take these flags down? Now, that I don't know. I I have no idea, but just to kind of go back to what you were saying, like, it's definitely fair to feel good about it and, like, see it as a step because, like, it is a step, but it's not as big of a step as, like, people are making it out to be. Like, it is nowhere near, like, this symbolic movement that like racism is now no longer a part of the south or american history like it's not it's not that big like it's just not that huge um so for me like yes i do think confederate flags should come down off of state houses but ultimately i personally wouldn't care that much if they stayed if i saw some type of political shift away from racism if that makes sense because it's like, at the end of the day, you still have redlining, you still have housing discrimination, you still have all of this really big, vague political jargon that targets specific groups of people, right. and that hasn't changed. And right. every, like, what, every other month we see a video of a white cop shooting an unarmed, you know, black teenager? Right. right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that seems like it's become a regular occurrence. And yeah. that, I mean... We we had we we you know we just talked to, to Hank Johnson and and he was you know I asked him like how much have do you think things have changed since the 1960s and I know you like me were not actually around in the 1960s but I see so many parallels. So like, wait, like, are you saying that Jason was around in the 1960s? Jason was not. I was not. <laughs> I'm old as dirt, but not that kind of dirt. He's really old for the internet. He's like. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a golden age blogger, yo. Just continue with your question. Yeah. <laughs> <All right, laughs> Leave me the fuck out of this. I mean, like, you see the, the horrifying images that I grew up with from the, the civil rights movement are like, you know, the state attacking people of color. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to see, like, cops shooting black people now, it's like, I, I, was, I was taught, like, because, you know, you have to be taught about racism when you're white, um, that, like, racism is different now. It's, it's, like, it's, like, more subconscious and stuff. And to see all this explicit violence happening... Um, it, to me, it, it just it just made me really question it, all of the, the the sort of established wisdom that I had that that things weren't really quite as bad as they had been in the '60s. I mean, what what how how do you feel about that? Um, I definitely think that like that's just a common thought process. Um, because it was a thought process that I had too. I'm just like, oh well, you know, like it's not as bad. Like I go to school with white people, I work with white people, I get to sit at the same bar as white people. So, like, yeah, I definitely think that that just really makes it seem like it's not as bad. But, like, police officers attacking and killing unarmed black people, that's essentially still the state attacking black people. Right. Um, So, yeah, like, it's, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like 
it really starts at home. And it's like, I hate to say it like that because there's so many political issues and policies and stuff that also need to be changed. But the bottom line is that Jim Crow might be over, quote unquote, but you still have James Crow. And like, that's a academic term or whatever. But now it's a lot more subliminal. It's a lot more policy driven. It's a lot more colorblind. I don't see color. And it's just like, that in itself is really racist because the playing field is not level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're right. just like, you're erasing. <laughs> to me, colorblind has always been like, we're still like, everyone is hitting a... I, I see people on, on, a, on a spectrum according to a standard, and the standard is you're white. <laughs> right. We're just like, oh, you know, you have, we have a black president. We have rich black people. And I'm just like, but do you not understand that like these rich well-known, famous, whatever, black people, like, they still face the same, like, types of racism. Like, maybe not the economic aspects of it, but, I mean, Barack can't get shit through Congress. (laughs) (laughs) He can't do anything. Barack Barack can't even say, we were talking about this last week, uh, he can't even say that that police officer who arrested Skip Gates in his own home for breaking into his own home, he can't even say that cop was stupid. Right. Even though, even though, if a cop did that to me, I'd be like, "You're stupid." I would like follow that cop right. around. Hey, stupid! What's up, stupid? Hey, stupid! <laughs> stupid! I'll tell you what, I can say it right now. And like, they, they look the, that cop and Skip Gates have quashed his beef, and that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. But like, I just gotta it's shout out to that cop. Me. You were dumb. You're dumb as hell, man. You're dumb as hell. Yeah. Like, just accept that you were dumb. I, I, if I would accept it, I'd be like, damn, man, I arrested the man his own, in his own home for being in his home illegally? Right. Ooh, big boner on my part, guys. But, like, but what Julie was <laughs> exactly. just saying, like, I, I mean, you know, we we don't live in racial utopia. But no. we do, are, but we do have laws that are being – I mean, like, the Supreme Court's uh, – John Roberts' decision in the Voting Rights Act case that just mm-hmm. happened a couple of years ago. That one. I mean, I really wonder what this guy is thinking after seeing all this stuff. I mean, I don't – I can imagine how if you were like a really well-to-do elite lawyer and you didn't have to interact with the world, you, you were just living in this, this certain elite cluster, that maybe things look different to you. But I don't see how you can ignore what's happened over the last few years. I mean, it, it just seems pretty clear that we, we have not arrived at racial utopia and to throw out the laws that exist, which I admit are flawed and don't go far enough. Uh, well, the, court, the court's fair crazy. housing decisions today may have been a makeup call on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right? And like, we were, we're sorry about voting rights, so here's <laughs> fair housing. <laughs> exactly. You can't vote, but you can have a house. Exactly. Uh, but that's another thing. I mean, Julia, you mentioned, you know, well, there, there are some, some rich black people now, which is true. Like, we, we were just talking about billionaires. Um, but the black middle class is, is very small and has been is, was oh, hit yeah. harder by the Great Recession than yeah. any other demographic. Definitely. And, and the, the yeah. racial wealth gap is now worse than where it was in 1968. Right. Uh, black unemployment is still much higher than any other any other category except for maybe like youth unemployment. But if you go with black youth, the number gets higher again. Yeah. I mean, there there is a it's it's like a, a U shaped curve. The, the the black middle class just has been to- it it. it it was promised by the civil rights movement and and everybody said, you know, politically we're going to do something to make this happen. And it never, it never really happened. Well, I mean, I just think race gets swept under the rug. Honestly, it's like, Oh, you know, like we don't want to talk about it. Like that was such a dark part of our past. Cause I mean, people still don't acknowledge the fact that like the reason why we are where we are now is like because of slavery. 
and it's like, oh, you know, slavery's over. It ended. Like, that's that's gone. That's the past. And it's just like, but no, all of these things are a direct result of that. So people don't even want to acknowledge that. And then people want Obama to apologize for slavery. And I'm just like, okay. <sighs> <laughs> One last question. How is Don Lemon a thing? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what that's in reference to. <laughs> you, don't watch, like, which... you don't watch TV. <laughs> There's a guy on CNN who apparently has decided to be the biggest clown in the world. Anyway. Don Lemon. Yeah, Don Lemon. Poor guy. Don't know. Victim of white supremacy right there, Don Lemon. All right. A big victim. Yeah. <laughs> a huge victim. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Uh, well, we're going to have to, as they say in the cable news business, leave it there. But we'll probably have ample uh, opportunity to come back on this. Does this offend you, Jason? What? I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I don't even know what Don Lemon was talking about when he asked. No, no, no. You're, <laughs> you're, you're like holding up a sign. It's just like, offend you? Oh, my God. You, you guys, if, you? if you could see the thing that Julia is holding wow. up right now, I'm super offended. <laughs> but I'm impressed that you've offended me with that. It's I can't even talk about what she's holding up right now. It's unbelievable. It's a MacBook. But it's upside down. It's upside down, so maybe she doesn't like Mac. Maybe. All right. But now it's technically upside down, because if I open it, whatever. Julia, where can people follow you on Twitter? Curly Cray with two Ys. So C at C-U-R-L-Y-C-R-A-Y-Y. Julia Craven, thank you for joining us, and we'll have you back very soon. Guys, we're back really quick because we have a story of modern day banishment to talk to, talk about. Exile, yeah, exile. But, uh, it's a it's a story out of Florida, and wouldn't you know, there's a town in Florida called Hollywood. No, there's a show called uh, Big Time in Hollywood, Florida, that I, is uh, on Comedy Central. I wouldn't know about that because you I don't, don't watch, watch television. TV, yeah, oh, I know. God. This Hollywood's on the east coast of Florida, and they had this guy there who uh, ran a homeless shelter out of a hotel he had bought. And he'd been there for more than 10 years, and everyone in the town, this is his hometown, hated him so much. That Why do they hate him? Because they don't like the homeless shelter, because it's got homeless people you know, streaming out of it and into it all the time. As opposed to homeless people living on benches and sleeping on streets? Yeah, as, as opposed to just get, get out of our town, homeless people. <laughs> And so what they like how dare those homeless people get a cheap hotel to the live guy, in? The guy's named Sean Connery, and so what the town of Hollywood, Florida, did was uh, the city voted on this. They paid him five million dollars to buy his buildings so they could knock him down, and they exiled him from the town. They made him sign a contract stipulating he can't live in or do business in Hollywood for the next thirty years. The guy's fifty years old. Wow, so Hollywood dicks. is full of jerks. What dicks? <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And rich jerks who just paid him $5 million. Oh, my too. God. Well, it's different. Uh, you're, you're here in Washington. You're a big city. You know you're not getting rid of homeless people, but you're a smaller town in Florida. You've got tourists. It's nice and sunny there. Your resort. Can't these people go somewhere else? That's the thinking. And so what happened was, this is what happened, because that's what this show is about. Right, things that happened. Connany picked up his homeless shelter and 100-plus of its former residents and moved to Polk County, Florida. 
He just moved to Central Florida, bought a new hotel, and uh, last <laughs> week have put on a wedding for two of the homeless people who came with him from Hollywood. Oh, and, that's a nice thing. And since po- and since he's near Orlando, there those people are going on a honeymoon to uh, Disney World. Oh, that's a nice thing. That's great. Yeah. That's so, great. So you, you can't beat him, give him $5 million, and send him to some other town. It's so, <laughs> he will do the same thing he was doing before. It's kind of, it's still astounding to me how short-sighted it is to, like, you have a guy who's, like, literally spent his own money on providing the homeless with a place to live. There was no, like, municipal bond passed. No one had to get, like, no 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 building had to get knocked down. No neighborhood had to get messed up. Uh, a guy was just like, I will house the homeless. And the town was like, no. No, fuck you for housing the homeless. As if the alternative was better. When, when, they, when he first moved into the hotel, they, they sued. And he won the lawsuit. This, it was over. You know, you're not running a hotel. That's a shelter. And he won that. It right. was a hotel. So now he's got a hotel. I talked to the uh, the Polk County people, and they said, well, yeah, his license is in order. It's a hotel. And, you know, they don't hate him yet. And it remains to be seen whether they will take the turn Hollywood did. But to understand— Polk County, if you don't want to have a podcast calling you raging amoral dicks to the wider public, as we are now doing to Hollywood, Florida. Oh, that's tough. You're a bunch of dicks, Hollywood. Sorry, Hollywood, Florida. You're a bunch of dicks. No, we're not sorry. They brought it on themselves. <laughs> they brought it on themselves. They they actually went out and, and took action that let, earned them me calling them let, dicks. Let me, and they're dicks, 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 let, dicks. Let me mitigate dick. Okay, mitigate it a little bit. There is a belief in this country. Let them off the hook. Everywhere in America... For that we're free to be going dicks. back I know, I know, I know. 200 years, that all the bad people in town are from somewhere else. <laughs> you saw this, uh, it was v- really vividly illustrated in, in uh, a bad economy uh, in the Gilded Age when we had a national crisis over tramps. Yes, that's and true. people believed hobos were jumping on trains and invading your town, and that all the poor people were from somewhere else. And I don't think it's ever been true. But that's what people think. So, they, well, so that's why there's that's why they reach for solutions like let's exile this guy, let's buy homeless people bus tickets to go somewhere else. That happens all over. But now America. it's a self fulfilling property prophecy because like Polk County's homeless people are people from somewhere else now. Yeah, they're from Hollywood. <laughs> they're from Hollywood, <laughs> right? They the best. But, and, and here's the thing: obviously, I wish Hollywood wouldn't export its values, right? <laughs> Look at these Hollywood liberals. I feel like the Hollywood best. Hollywood looked at Sean Connery and said, "You'll never work in this town." <laughs> I feel like the best people from Hollywood now live in Polk County. That's my feeling. Anyway, I mean, one of the things that's interesting about him having the hotel is he he does charge for the rooms, right? Well, he says his rates range from one penny to twenty four dollars. So yeah, Robert, he's like, Robert it's Jack. a business. There you go, good business. Anyway, congratulations to Mr. Connery. 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 Okay, so that's another week of this show where I call people dicks. <laughs> uh, and uh, and uh, my name is Chase Lincoln. I'm the editor of Eat the Press at the Huffington Post. I was joined today by Julia Craven. Her Twitter handle is at, at Julia. No, at, Cur- at no. Curly Cray with at, two Y. Right, at Curly Cray. C-U-R-L-Y-C-R-A-Y-Y. I'm also joined by Arthur Delaney. At Arthur Delaney HP. Oh my God! Please follow me, or I'll die. let's let's just remember to follow Arthur. Can we all Hollywood, Florida? If you'd like to earn a good point from me, I want all of you to follow Arthur Delaney on Twitter, and then I will say a nice thing about you. So let's have let's have 
250 people from Hollywood, Florida, follow Arthur Delaney on Twitter right now, and I will promise to say something nice about your town next podcast. That's extortion? I won't. <laughs> I will not. Fair enough. Zach Carter, his Twitter handle is Zach D. Carter. Z-A-C-H as in hammer, D as in dog, Carter, like the president. Yep. Uh, thanks for being with us, man. We'll miss, we'll talk to you next week. Miss you guys already. So that's what happened this week. This podcast was produced and edited by Ibrahim Balki with technical direction from Brad Shannon and assistance from Christine Canetta and Adriana Ucero. I'm Jason Lincolns. This week we were joined by Congressman Hank Johnson and Huffington Post reporters Zach Carter, Julia Craven, and Arthur Delaney. So That Happened is available on the iTunes. So check us out in the iTunes store for the Huffington Post whole family of podcasts, all of which have been endorsed by Taylor Swift. Subscribe to them all and tell your friends about how Taylor Swift endorsed our podcasts in particular. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, please send an email to so that happened at HuffingtonPost.com. As always, thanks for listening, and we miss you already. Not actually endorsed by Taylor Swift. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.